Welcome to the Limitless Hairdresser Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Mason. At Limitless, we believe you deserve to live the life of your dreams, and we're here to help you make that happen by bringing you high-vibe educational episodes from myself and leaders in the fields of meditation, personal development, and conscious business practices. We're here to provide you, the beauty professional, with mindful tools and support for an enriched career in life. So plug in and tune out the outside world and let's go on this journey together. Welcome to episode number 59 of the Limitless Hairdresser podcast. Today I have on a super special guest. Her name is Adriana Limbach. She's a meditation teacher at Mindful in New York City. She is an author of a book called Tea and Cake with Demons, and she's a personal development coach that will make you feel like you just want to hug her. <laughs> she is so amazing and eloquent and beautiful and expressive, and everything that she says in her book, I was like, yes. So I stumbled down the internet rabbit hole looking for meditation teachers and literature that I could read last summer, and I stumbled upon her book, Tea and Cake with Demons, A Buddhist Guide to Worthiness, and a lot of my meditation practice and a lot of the things that I study were rooted in Buddhism, so it really was speaking to me that there was another woman out there writing a book that seemed very relatable and quite frankly funny. And I love humor, especially when we can see some light in some of these heavier topics about worthiness and empowerment and looking at our shadow side and becoming friends with it. I mean, that's some kind of heavy stuff, you know? So I pick up her book last summer and my parents live on a lake. So we were out on the on a boat one day and I was reading her book and I was in a really juicy part of this book. And I asked my mom, I was like, mom, can you take a picture of me reading this book? Because, you know, hashtag Instagram. And I wanted to share it with my community because I thought, oh my gosh, if anyone is interested in meditation or mindfulness or just taking your power back, feeling your self-worth shine through they need to read this book because it's so fabulous. So I'm doing like my best Instagram pose, holding this book, you know, taking a picture with my cute little hat. And the funny story about this picture is it ended up being a beacon of light for my husband to find his wedding ring at the bottom of a lake. Yeah, super crazy. So we were out there that same day that I took that picture my husband was swimming with my kids in the lake. We had the boat kind of anchored in this one spot that everybody hangs out and they were jumping off the boat, you know, having a great time floating around on noodles. And he comes back on the boat to get his towel and he had taken his wedding ring off and his necklace that has all of our names engraved on it. And he had tucked it away in this towel and he goes to put, to grab the towel to dry himself off and boing, flings into the water his ring and his necklace like the two most sacred things to him sunk to the bottom of this lake and we were in like I don't even know 20 25 foot water so it sunk quick and he thought it was gone forever it was actually pretty devastating for him so he is determined to get this ring and he's a firefighter so he knew that people do scuba diving dives to go recover things in the lake sometimes and he does some research and finds this guy 
who lives in Michigan, who does ring recoveries. And he used to be in the military. And now he does this kind of on the side after he's retired for fun. And so the guy comes out, but you know, you're in a lake. It's like, where do I even start looking? So we're looking around this spot that we're at on the lake, trying to find some landmarks, you know, like, oh, this house, I think we were kind of like about this angle around that edge. And, you know, it was like a crapshoot. Well, just so happens one minute before, maybe even 30 seconds before he had flung this ring into the water, my mom was taking a picture of me on the boat holding my (laughs) tea and cake with demons, Buddhist guide to worthiness book by Adriana. And so the guy was like, do you have any pictures? Do you have anything that you guys did on your iPhone around that time? And I'm like, well, actually, yes, because my husband was making fun of me for doing this mini photo shoot. I'm like, those pictures that my mom took of me (laughs) were happening at that same time. So he pulled the GPS coordinates from that photo at that time that it was taken from my iPhone and they freaking found the ring at the bottom of this 25 foot deep lake because of the picture that I took of tea and cake with demons on a boat in the middle of a lake. So you know what, take that for what it's worth. But I thought it was just such a funny synchronicity that that all happened. And as soon as that happened, I started even, you know, little signs kept popping up and I'm like, I need to get a hold of this girl. I need to get a hold of Adriana. I want to talk to her. I want to have her on the podcast because I feel like this is a universal sign being like, hey, 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 do something more, do something more. And so I did. And I reached out to her and we got a hold of her and set this podcast up. So I'm so excited to have her on. I feel like it's absolutely divine intervention that we got to connect especially through the internet you know internet is is an amazing thing and technology is pretty cool so I'm so excited for you to hear this episode and talking about worthiness personal empowerment and how you can protect your energy behind the chair and with working with other clients it's it's really brilliant so plug in and tune out the outside world and enjoy this episode with Adriana Limbuck Do you ever find yourself in the same frustrating patterns? Do you feel disconnected from your higher self? Feel lost when it comes to intention setting? Think you have more to offer, but you're not sure where to start? Wish you were inspired in your career or life or feel like you're trapped in your current situation? Or maybe you wish that you could figure out what's next for your life's path or career. If you said yes to any of these things, mindset mentoring might be just what you need. It would be my honor to help you get on the path of your dreams and start manifesting the life that you deserve. I believe everybody's journey is completely unique and different, and it requires special attention and nurturing and cultivating your individual gifts. I believe that the one-on-one experience of having a mentor is so incredibly important, especially when we're trying to get to that next level in our life. I've opened back up my mindset mentoring program, and I have it in the offerings of three one-on-one Zoom calls, or you can do a one-time only call. I've seen some really powerful transformation come out of my one-on-one work with other entrepreneurs, and this is the opportunity for you to work with me if you've been interested in doing something that is next level in your life. We'll work with things like intention setting, visualization for manifestation, tapping into your own personal meditation practice, using energy work, aligning with your purpose, rewriting your story, 
I'll give you journal prompts, optimizing your time so that you're working smarter, not harder, and help you dismantle some of that subconscious programming that you might be living with that's holding you back from truly doing the things you want to do. We'll help you align with your intuition through awareness and establish boundaries in your work and life so that you can achieve all the things that you want without feeling unworthy and like you're pressured. I'll use law of attraction techniques to help support your manifesting, intuitive card readings, breathwork techniques, and help you to really tap into your own personal inner guidance so that you can be your own guide, you can be your own healer, and set yourself up for success. If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can head over to kellymason.com. Click the work with me tab at the top and then click mindset mentoring and you can get on my wait list and I will email you back and set up a time that works best for both of us. I look forward to working with you and I can't wait to help you step up into that next level that you are seeking. Welcome Adriana to the Limitless Hairdresser podcast. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. It's really great to chat with you. Uh, Adriana is actually an author and she wrote a book called Tea and Cake with Demons, A Buddhist Guide to Worthiness. And so synchronistically, I found myself here with her (laughs) on this podcast through her book and um, the lovely Instagram, which brings the world together. Instagram. We were just chatting before we we logged on to uh, talk to all of you. yeah, Instagram can be such a bizarre black hole that we fall into, but also what an amazing place to meet people. Yeah. Yeah, it's so crazy, but it's it's such an exciting time to be able to connect to so many like-minded people. And um, a big thing that we're trying to do is bring inner beauty and outer beauty together in our you know world of hairdressing and taking care of people's outer looks, but also making a huge impact on the way that they feel and the way that they view themselves internally as well as externally. So I'm really excited to hear your insight today on how everyone who's listening can feel a little bit more worthy, a little bit more empowered, um, protect their energy a little bit more, and yeah, help pass that energy along to all of our clients. So why don't you share a little bit about who you are, what you do, where you live, all that good stuff. Yeah, the stats, the, the stats, rundown, the stats. So, <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Adriana Limbach. Uh, as you just mentioned, I wrote a book called uh, "Tea and Cake with Demons: A Buddhist Guide to Feeling Worthy." And I am a meditation teacher that's based in New York. I'm originally from Wisconsin, uh, born and raised in the Midwest. Uh, moved to New York when I was about. Uh, 20. Um, and my first exposure to meditation was actually in a high school philosophy class. I, again, I, I went to high school in Wisconsin, Stevens Point, And um, we had a lot of different electives that we could take in terms of um, fulfilling our history credit or fulfilling our English credit or fulfilling our science credit. Um, and one of the history credits that we were offered was um, this class called A History of Great Ideas. And I really wanted to take the class because of the teacher. He was this kind of wonderful weirdo. He would just walk around the halls, like muttering to himself. He was always really kind of like cranky and disheveled, and um, <laughs> but also just like had such a, a sweetness to him. And um, I was like, you know, I don't know what he teaches, but I want to take a class with this guy. <laughs> Which is interesting to see my patterns all these years later of like, it really is the teacher that attracts me to the modality. Mm. Um, 
it's kind of like, you know, meeting that white rabbit that takes you uh, down the rabbit hole into Wonderland. Um, so I took a I took a class with him, and the only class that he taught was a history of great ideas, which turned out to be a class on Eastern philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am in my small town Midwestern high school taking a class on um, Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism and Jainism and, and doing like a little bit of a cross compare. Uh, and as a part of this class, um, we all adopted a meditation practice. Um, so I started practicing when I was 16. Um, and it was particularly the the Buddhist philosophy behind the meditation practice that really struck a chord with me. Um, we, we kind of went headfirst into uh, a text called the Heart Sutra, um, which um, sort of the, the core idea behind the Heart Sutra is that nothing exists inherently the way that we think that it does. Mm-hmm. Nothing really exists in this kind of separate, solid, um, eternal way that we, we tend to think of things as being. Um, and it freaked me out. I got so <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is happening? This is not what I thought. <laughs> no, why? Why? Like, what do you? I'm the prom queen. I very much exist. <laughs> like, I work so hard on the way that I exist in the world. You do not understand. <laughs> I don't exist inherently the way that I think that I do. Mm. On side of things, um, it just kind of like blew my whole mind open. So. Uh, that's when I started um, practicing meditation. I took a gap year after high school, uh, went to Asia, spent some time in Thailand, um, kind of deferring the whole what do you want to be when you grow up conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to check out of that for a year and, and figure things out. Um, and spending so much time in Thailand was really um, such oh, a great place. my favorite place. Oh, it's gorgeous. I spent a couple weeks there last year, and there are so many people who do that. They take their gap year, and they're traveling around Thailand and Cambodia, Vietnam, um, all over in that area, and they're so young. And I was in my 30s, so I'm like, hey, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Late to the game. The gap year. And this is, I mean, it's a totally different conversation, but I'm such a fan of just like, taking some time off to really like feel into what you love and what inspires you and what you're interested in rather than just kind of going through the steps mm-hmm. because you're, that's what you have to do. That's the trap. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. I see, I see so many people like end up, you know, in their thirties and forties saying I, I did the things and I'm still not happy. Like what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? Um, which, you know, again, is a, a completely separate conversation, but yeah, I feel like it, it, it just kind of sets, it sets us up to potentially, um, have a, a real kind of like midlife crisis moment of, you know, what's wrong with me? What did I do wrong? And the truth mm-hmm. is absolutely nothing wrong with you. Um, you did all of the things you just maybe never stopped to ask if these were the things that would make you happy in the long term. And that's okay because it's never too late to ask those questions, but really kind of like weaponizing that against ourselves and, and making it mean something about us 
um, is so heartbreaking. Anyways, I digress. So that's how I launched my meditation practice. Um, moved to New York City, started partying as one does when they're 20 years old and live in New York City. Uh, completely fell off my meditation cushion. Had sort of the classic quarter life crisis. Um, where I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not where I feel like I should be in life. I thought that I would be so much farther ahead, I say in air quotes, because, you know, what does that mean anyways? Yeah. Um, and... My roommate at the time was taking meditation classes at this place called the Interdependence Project in, in downtown New York City. Um, and she said, hey, you know that meditation thing you used to do? Like that would probably be really helpful for the anxiety and the panic attacks that you're experiencing right now. Um, and, you know, she wasn't wrong. So <laughs> I picked up my meditation practice again. This was probably, gosh, I want to say like 13 years ago. Um, and that's, that's when I really fully committed. I was like, yes, this is, this is actually something that creates a baseline of sustainable sanity in my life. Um, and I'm like, I'm in, I'm in full fledged. Is that when you became a meditation teacher? Or did you do something else? Did you have a past life? Before that? Yeah. Oh, yes. I've had many past lives. I've had many past lives. I, <laughs> um, so when I decided to defer the, the question of what do you want to be when you grow up, um, I feel like I, I never have fully answered that. I still don't feel like I've, I've entirely answered that because, you know, it's always changing and evolving. Um, yeah, I went to film school for a year, um, learned um, – a little bit about directing and editing. And then I went to um, costume design school. I went to Parsons School of Design in New York City, studied costume design. Ooh, uh, ooh no, it was, yeah. super fun. it was super fun. And it was also like, I know I don't want to do this as a profession. Like, I just want to keep having fun. Hobbies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A very expensive hobby. <laughs> For the tuition I was paying. Um, yeah, I. What else did I do? I um, managed some restaurants and bars in New York City. I was in the food industry for a while. I um, did a year-long training program at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, um, mm. which specializes in, in training health coaches. Um, and that I. It completely fell in love with. I, I entirely fell in love with coaching technique and the ability to to sort of. Um, crack open this whole interior life that we have through just simply holding space for other people and asking good questions yeah. and learning how to do that for ourselves. So um, I've, I've been working with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition for about 10 years now. Um, I host their, their group coaching program. Um, so I, I coach their coaches in training, um, which is delightful. It's really yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I have a friend who lives in New York that went there. Her name is Julia Chebatar. She's actually been on the podcast too. She's a health chef in New York City. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. It's a it's a great program. It's a really great program. So all of these past lives you had, you know, talking about trying to figure out your your purpose or what you want to be when you grow up. Because I feel a lot of like a lot of people who are listening, including myself, are kind of always asking that question: like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Should I be doing more? Should I be doing something else? And it kind of sounds like all the things that you did 
all had their place and their purpose in what you're doing now, right? Like sometimes we think, oh man, I wasted so much time. I did all these things and this is what I really should have been doing. And you kind of have that feeling of missing out on time or like you were spending so much time trying to figure it out. But really at the end of the day, once you kind of have that aha moment, it all makes sense that all the things meant something to where you're going, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, something that I hear from people all the time is I just want the plan. Like, give me the plan. Give me the 10 step step process to finding my purpose and leading a happy life forever. Amen. Um, and, and, um, you know, if, if only it were that easy, and this is something that I talk about quite a bit in tea and cake with demons is that, um, there is a lot of wisdom in surrendering the hope for a plan of having the the kind of 10 step process to be a happy person. Um, and instead adopting the entirety of our lives as being the path Um, that it is all the path. It is all a learning process. And that when we, when we kind of, um, switch our mindset from, um, from having a plan to adopting a path that everything on the path suddenly is purposeful, that we don't necessarily have a purpose. I mean, that's as, that's, that's as limiting as saying I have like a soulmate and like, well, what happens if you don't find that person? Does that mean that you're just going to be sad and lonely for the rest of your life? I mean, the same goes for our purpose, right? It's like, well, what happens if you don't find your like one purpose in life? Does that just mean that everything that you've done is meaningless? No, absolutely not. And that's such a um, kind of destructive, I think, narrative mm-hmm. to care about with us. Um, so so starting to, to really um, perhaps play with the idea that we don't necessarily have a purpose, that, that everything has purpose, that every single thing that we interact with and um, every engagement that we have, every time that we participate in the world, it has the potential to be purposeful. That even like sitting at a traffic light, waiting for it to change, listening to the radio, like that moment in your life is finite and will never be recreated. And make no mistake, our lives are limited time only. So what if even that moment was purposeful? What if even that moment had meaning as like mundane and banal as it is? Um, And again, this is, it's, it's, it's an open question mark it might not have resonance or relevance for you, but I've, I've found for myself at least that, that starting to view the world in this way um, really makes everything so, um, so poignant and so um, purposeful. Yeah. How do you, how in your words would you explain that worthiness plays into this whole scheme of things, that it's not necessarily the things or the successes or the achievements that you're experiencing as purposeful or successful, but the moments. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, of course the book is really geared, um, around this idea of self-worth. Um, but it, it sort of encourages us or asks us to consider that, um, maybe not only do we have worth again, hypothesis, maybe not, not only do we have inherent worth, but maybe everything has worth mm-hmm. and everybody has worth. And again, every, every moment 
has worth and value and purpose. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there is this kind of challenge that's embedded in the book that says, hey, take this on as an experiment. For one day, look at what you sort of throw into the pile of being worthless, like not purposeful, just kind of like, you know, those moments that you have to like get through in order mm -hmm. to like get to the actual thing that you're trying to do. Like what are the things that we sort of discard as being waste in our lives? And then what are the things that we put up on the pedestal of being like, ooh, worth my time or worth doing or worthwhile? And then notice how we do that to ourselves as well. Mm. There are aspects of ourselves, like just notice the aspects of yourself that you throw in the trash can, that you're like, eh, that's stupid. That's lazy. That's dumb. That's, you know, these, these are the aspects that I, A, don't like about myself, and B, I'm going to try my hardest never to show anybody ever lest they find out that I am a complete fraud or lest they find out <laughs> that I'm a total dummy. Like we do this to ourselves all the time, right? It's like these aspects of myself are trash and these aspects of myself are amazing. Like this is the good stuff. The, the, these are the, the qualities that I have that tend to get a really positive response from others. And that's what we tend to pin our worth on, right? And it, it's oftentimes, you know, we, we pin our worth um, we pin our worth on our achievements or on our, um, on our ability to be right or on our ability to be good or on our ability to be helpful to others. Or, um, we, we tend to kind of like pin our worth on these external factors of when I'm showing up like this, I am worthwhile. I'm worthy. I'm good. But when I show up like this, I'm trash. So the book really encourages us to take a look at the ways in which we sort of split both our world and our time into two piles, worthy and trash, but the ways in which we do that to ourselves as well. Um, and it, it really is kind of this encouragement or experiment of what if we could develop a relationship to ourselves and to our world that says everything has worth everything has purpose, everything has value, all of it. Mm -hmm. Would you consider like the, the trash or the garbage side, the pile more of like our shadow elements or the things that we're doing unconsciously or the things that we feel like we want to fix or remedy or change? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, um, you know, I think especially coming from, um, you know, the a coaching background and, and like more sort of spiritual circles with meditation, yoga, etc. Um, I, I think there, there's this narrative of, um, you know, no bad vibes, mm -hmm. no bad vibes, True. good vibes only, good vibes only, um, <clears throat> positive, positive only, like yeah. positive facing. Um, which can be really detrimental. It can be, it can really sort of facilitate a sense of shame if we're yeah. showing up as anything else or totally. if we're experiencing anything else. It's like, Ooh, it's kind of asking to shove those things down in a way and not look at them and, yeah. you know, disassociate with them 
without healing them. And, and you talk a lot about, you know, sitting with those parts of us and having a relationship, talking to them, having a conversation with them. And I think that's where a lot of people who seem so peaceful and happy is that you, you can create a relationship with those parts of yourself in a different way, in a more worthy way than a shameful way. Yeah. But it's getting to, it's the practice of getting to that place. That's such a struggle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I had lunch with my mother-in-law and I love my mother-in-law. We have such a great relationship. She's the kind of mother-in-law that, um, like two dates in with my now husband, she pulled me aside and she was like, okay, you know, I really hope this works out between you guys, but even if it doesn't, let's stay friends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's great. Uh, so I had lunch with my mother-in-law um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and she was talking about a friend of hers who, um, when she feels really kind of like unsettled or uncomfortable with herself or lonely, she, she compulsively cleans her house. Mm. And she said, you know... Um, Cleaning is her exit. Cleaning is her And I had never heard that before. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you know, your, your exit, and we all have exits, when just being with ourselves and being in our own skin and just being with who we are feels so unbearable that we, we look for something to distract us. We look for something to exit. And for some of us, our exit is like compulsive cleaning or organizing. For some of us, our exit is like scrolling on Instagram. For some of our, our exit is food or our exit is exercise or our exit is like um, just like anything that takes the edge off of being me. And the instruction in meditation, at least the tradition that I come from, um, is in those moments when we feel the impulse to turn away from ourselves, to abandon ourselves, can we instead take the opposite action, which is to turn towards ourselves and to turn towards that sense of loneliness or turn towards that sense of anxiety and create some space for it and say, hey, like, okay, this is what anxiety feels like in my body. And it's really uncomfortable but I'm not going to abandon myself. I'm going to spend some time here and I'm really going to feel what it's like to be anxious without the narrative. You know, can we drop the narrative? Because of course we'll immediately sort of like exit into, you know, why do I feel anxious? Who else is implicated? How can I fix this as quickly as possible? Instead of, of kind of getting lost in our narrative about the anxiety, can we just hang out with it in our body and not turn away from ourselves, not take things. And I, I personally, honestly, you know, when we, when we talk about self-love, I can't think of a more loving action than that, than to, then instead of abandoning ourselves in moments of distress or loneliness or anxiety or sadness or pain to instead take a seat with ourselves and say, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Mm. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I think of my best friends, my most trusted confidence in the world, that's who they are. They're the people who don't abandon me in my times of need. Yeah. But when we look at how often we do that to ourselves, where it's like, oh, I don't want to be with this. This is really uncomfortable. Let me just do something else. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, we do that or we 
are really mean to ourselves and those those parts of us that we don't like we're like all of a sudden mean girl <laughs> and uh, shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up and saying that we're so stupid or this is ridiculous what's wrong with you and that kind of narrative comes out where you're your own worst critic and that is really really hard to get past once you start creating that habit mm-hmm. of that you know inner that inner battle and and not being able to look at it and show it some love and grace and kindness um because i know like i have two little kids they're four or five and six and they can you know five and six you can see their little nasty coming out and you're like (laughs) (laughs) where's my sweet little angel and they're like you know and instead of yelling and screaming and punishing them when they're having those moments i just let them have it and i just hold that space for them and sometimes just smile or love them or in my mind just be like oh this is funny you know because it's not them it's not who they are it's just that that struggle of figuring out how do i be with this (laughs) and i know i know that that's taught me a lot of lessons just as a, as a person is whenever I'm being like that, either outwardly or inwardly to myself, you've got to just kind of do the same thing. It's like, I see you. I see you over there. And it's going to be all right. And then all of a sudden it just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and softens and softens until it's not even as big of a deal as we made it in the first place. But to see it outwardly in children is really funny because... <laughs> it's so real you're like whoa there it is (laughs) yeah yeah and yay for you yay for you for um you know when you see that coming out in your kids like really not making it wrong just kind of like loving them up and being like oh okay all right well not 24 7 I can't give myself that (laughs) much of a pedestal (laughs) but I'd give myself like an 80 20 here like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I still can be reactive, obviously, because I'm human. But um, for the most part, you know, just with my own personal practice of meditation and be- becoming present and staying in the moment, you're able to look at it from a completely different perspective. And I think that's kind of the relationship, you know, that you talk a lot about in your book is having with ourselves is creating a different relationship with what we think and how we react and how we behave and knowing that it's not who we truly are. Yeah. Yeah. Or that it is an aspect of who we are, but it is an aspect of who we are. Like there is definitely an aspect of me that is angry. Like I, like I can be so righteously angry and you know what? That is a part of who I am. That really is. And I don't want to externalize it by saying, you know, well, well, that's not who I really am. Like at my core, I'm all light and love, you know, but because that, that, that's another way. It's another way of othering that part of ourselves and saying, Ooh, nope, you're not, you're not actually who I am. You know, you're just, you're just this part over it's here. It's not it's the like, whole oh, of yeah. who I am. Maybe that is a better definitely way to put a part. It. Yeah, yeah. It's a part. It's not my whole. It's, it's not all of me. Yeah, that is definitely an aspect of, of who I am. And, and I think, you know, a big part of Tea and Cake with Demons is like getting to know these aspects of like, ooh, where did you come from? 
where did you come? Who are you? Who are you? Who are you part of me that I've never really taken the time to get to know or make friends with because I want to like get you out as soon as possible. Mm. Um, and I think especially when it comes to anger, something that I have learned about myself is that, um, the aspect of me that is righteously angry, um, is such a beautiful protector um, and is really there to, to reclaim power over my vulnerability mm. as quickly as possible. And so I think in, in getting to know these different aspects of who we are, whether it's like shame or jealousy or anger or, um, you know, any of these aspects that we're like, okay, out of here as quickly as possible, when we actually create a dialogue with them and, and, and get to know who they are and why they're there, um, we can uncover their wisdom aspect. Like, oh, yeah, this is actually a really wise impulse that I've developed to, to reclaim power as quickly as, pow- as possible in the moments that I feel threatened or that I feel hurt. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for thank you for being here with me. Thank you for being a part of me. I see you. I love you. You're not always necessary, <laughs> but I love you and, and thank you. Thank you for, you know, thank you for being a part of me. Um, and it really, it, it kind of um, can disarm these aspects of ourselves um, that, that pop up when they're uninvited, when we can understand, you know, why they, why they're there, why they come to the surface. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. So kind of talking on, um, you know, we're all mostly hairdressers who are listening right now, probably. Hey, what's up, everyone? Um, Hey. (laughs) Um, A big part of our world is being of service to others, right? We're taking care of other people. Um, we're, We're exchanging a lot of energy. And a lot of these things that we're talking about, about being worthy and about you know, getting to know these different parts of us and feeling okay with them. And also holding that space for other people to allow them to be who they are and, and experience that, especially when they're in our presence. You know, you sit down, I'm sure you, you know, we talked a little bit about this. You sit down in the, <laughs> the salon chair, you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize I do that. But we just kind of start, a lot of the people who we are with just start kind of expressing and sharing and as the person who's, um, you know, taking care of that, that other person, we haven't really been equipped with how to protect our own energy, how to create this healthy flowing boundary. So it's not like brick wall, you can't come in. And it's also not like there's no boundaries here at all. And we just take on other people's stuff that's not ours. What would be your advice from your perspective and your experience to help, um, all the, the people who are out there serving other people to create that healthy healthy boundary of their energy? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great question. It's a really great question. It's such an ongoing question. Yeah. Because, you know, anybody who is sensitive in the least, um, you know, there's something about being sensitive where, um, you know, you can feel a bit porous, where it's like everything gets in there mm-hmm. and not really knowing how to like seal it up a little bit or discharge it once it's already in there. Um, so there's, there's one chapter in the book, um, 
the book is is built around the four noble truths of buddhism um so first noble truth is hard to be a human we will experience suffering we will experience dissatisfaction we will experience pain just by virtue of being human um second noble truth there's a, a really good reason why that happens um it's because we get really kind of like fixated on what we want um and become incredibly aversive to what it is that we don't want and we're always kind of trapped in between this tension mm-hmm. of like i want this without having that, right? Like I want to lose 10 pounds without experiencing cravings. Like advertising knows this binary so well as we get we get really trapped in what it is that we want and what we want to avoid. And that polarity basically runs our entire life. Um, and the, the, the other part of the second noble truth is that um, this is happening all day long and we have no idea that it's happening. We have no idea that we're like stuck in this little polarity here. Um, third noble truth is, um, cessation of suffering. So it's the good news. There is a a way off of this hamster wheel. There's a way out of this kind of, um, continual tension we experience. Um, and the fourth noble truth is the path. Uh, and the eightfold path really is such a beautiful holistic system, um, for how to use the entirety of our lives as our path of practice, Um, so one of the aspects of the path is, um, beneficial effort and it's about, um, taking a really kind of like ruthlessly, lovingly honest look at where we place our energy and where our effort is. Um, and there's a framework within beneficial effort, um, which is, um, the, the four, the four exertions, the four kind of ways of, keeping a finger on the pulse of our energy um, and what's getting in, what we're letting in, um, what's getting planted there. So the very first is um, boundaries. And it's helpful to to think about this through a gardening analogy, just because it it maps on so perfectly. So boundaries is like, okay, you have this little plot of land, which is your, your mental landscape, your psychic landscape, your emotional landscape. Um, the first thing that you might want to do is consider kind of building a little fence around it, right? And it doesn't have to be a brick wall, mm-hmm. but it can be it can be a little bit of a fence um, built out of discernment of really taking again this lovingly, mostly honest look at what we're letting into our space. Um, so, so taking a look at these boundaries, recognizing that it is actually impossible to be sincerely generous if we're depleted. Mm-hmm. Like nobody wants the last sip of your Slurpee because that's <laughs> yeah. if you if you don't have anything in your cup to give, like don't even try to give me that last sip because that is just you know everybody else's saliva at the bottom. I don't want that. <laughs> um, recognizing like if if we don't have boundaries in our lives it is actually impossible to be sincerely generous in the moments when it matters most um so not only out of self-preservation but also so that we have more to honestly give um building some boundaries of taking a look at like what am i letting into my life and is it useful this is always the question is it useful is it helpful is it beneficial or does it deplete me? Does it harm me in any way, mentally, emotionally? And just starting to discern 
what it is that we want to allow into our psychic emotional landscape. Is it beneficial? Is it helpful? Does it, does it give back to me in some way? So once we, once we have these, these, this kind of like picket fence around our garden, so to speak, um, then we can start pulling up some of the weeds. So the second is um, renunciation. And we tend to think of renunciation as like, just like giving away everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really speaks more to um, taking a look at what we've already planted in our garden, in our mental, emotional landscape, and starting to pull up some of those weeds of like, okay, this, this has already gotten in here. Um, whether it be um, toxic relationships or um, work that we find really depleting or, you know, engagements, responsibilities that we've said yes to because we wanted people to think that we were a good person, Mm -hmm. but we don't actually want to do it. And now we feel (laughs) zentful. (laughs) I'm speaking for myself here. Yeah. Um, so, so really starting to kind of like pull up some of these weeds that we actually find to be depleting. And then the third is the planting process. So now that we have our, our little gate up, we have some boundaries. We've uh, pulled up some of these weeds in our psychic emotional landscape. Started to say no, the magic word no. Um, we have some extra room to start planting again. Mm-hmm. So now we can be really kind of intentional and deliberate about what it is that we want to begin planting in our world. What what do we want to start saying yes from, yes to from a wholehearted place? knowing that it is actually going to give us more energy down the road or that it's important to us in some way because now we actually have the space to do it, right? And I hear this from people all the time. It's like, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. It's like, yes, I know we are busy people. It is Mm -hmm. just that we swim in, which is why this whole process of setting boundaries and starting to pull weeds can be really important so that we actually have the bandwidth to start saying yes to the things that bring us joy and make us happy and, and really come from the heart. So the third, the third is the planting process um, or cultivating as mm-hmm. it's traditionally known. Um, and the fourth is celebrating. So it's, it's really taking a look around our garden at the things that we've already planted and going, yay, that was such a great idea. I'm so glad that I said yes to that. And actually giving ourselves some credit for what we already have in our garden that we love, that brings us joy. And we might think about this as, as being a gratitude practice, a practice of gratitude, of like really appreciating the good stuff that we already have. And this can be such a powerful antidote to that continual nagging, gnawing feeling of I don't have enough. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I need this and I need this and I need this. And these are all the things that aren't going right. And I just don't have enough is to flip the script a little bit and take sort of a panoramic view of our lives and start celebrating the things that we do have that actually bring us tremendous joy. And it can be the little things. Like in, in, in driving Pilates this morning, I was like, oh my gosh, heated seats. Heated seats in winter. <laughs> this is like, amazing. Such a privilege. 
joy. Not everybody has heated seats. And this is like giving me life right now. It can be the tiniest, tiniest things. Um, so of course, all, all four of these aspects really work in unison. They're, they're perpetually happening at all times. It isn't kind of a, a linear thing. It's a kind of holistic way of, of looking at our lives. But, um, yeah, the very first is, is creating some boundaries, setting some boundaries, taking a really kind of lovingly ruthless look at our lives and saying, this is depleting me. This does not bring me joy. This feels really toxic. This always feels hard. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no to this. Mm -hmm. Lovingly say, I'm sorry, but, but I can't, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't do this. Um, second is taking a look at what's already gotten into our mental, emotional landscape that is really kind of like sucking our batteries all day long and start pulling those weeds up and start, start saying no to the things that are already there. Third is, yay, now we actually have some space in our lives to be really considerate and deliberate about what we want to create more of so we can start planting those seeds And then the fourth is to really appreciate what's already there, what we've already planted, what's already bearing fruit in our lives that brings us joy, the big things and the little things. Um, Yeah. And I I, I personally, I mean, of course, this is a system that is 2,600 years old, right? Mm -hmm. The path has been around for 2,600 years, which is great because there's you know, there's proof in the pudding, like it's been around for this long, there's a really good reason why. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, just speaking from my own personal experience, I've found that it is such a, a, a simple, but useful way of starting to um, lead my life slash our lives in a, in a much more kind of intentional and specific way. Yeah. I think it's so important to know too, and and you said this, is that it's continual. It's not like you do it once, you're good to go. (laughs) It's a lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally just one of those, one of those things you have to keep looking at and you have to keep, keep doing over and over again. It's not just like a one and done. And I think that's really important to remember. Yeah, it's the practice. It is. It is. Life is perpetually in motion, um, which is a big reason why we follow the breath and meditation is because we're learning how to um, stabilize ourselves within something that is always in movement, always in motion, um, which is, you know, very, very metaphorical for our lives. It's like we don't actually get to a place where everything is like static and still and permanent. Um, yeah. But it's, it's this constant kind of like moving with, which, you know, once you find your sea legs. Flow. Flow. Yeah. Exactly. It can be really fun. It's kind of like, okay, I'm rocking with it. I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's so important to, you know, think a little bit deeper on these these topics. And I'm so glad that you came on here today to share from your perspective and your experience um, some of these ways that can be incorporated really simply into life because it is so simple, but it's not easy. And I think sometimes we kind of get those two confused. It's like, it doesn't have to be complicated, 
but it doesn't feel, you know, easy to us because you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. Changes yeah. can feel hard. I agree. I agree. And I think, again, this is where um, just really undertaking the process or the challenge of becoming exquisite friends with ourselves, like just becoming such good friends with all the entirety of who we are, um, the, the whole kind of ground of worth of who we are, um, can be so helpful because in those moments when we feel like, oh, it should be easy. What's wrong with me? Why haven't I figured it out? It can feel very personal and we can go on a, a, a personal attack of like, I must just be a dummy because I can't figure it out and everybody else has their life together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, well, why, why would you have that expectation of yourself? Like, why would you put such a harsh expectation on yourself that you should have had it figured out by now? Like, who, who taught you? Who taught you these things? Likely nobody. Yeah. You're likely teaching them to yourself for the very first time. So why, you know, why, why would you have that expectation that you should somehow intuitively know? And I think that um, really giving ourselves the grace and that kind of kindness can also give us the permission to just start where we are mm -hmm. in, whatever, in whatever that means to us. Um, because it, 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 it doesn't feel like we've um, punished ourselves into a corner. It can really open things up and say, you know, start where you are. You're learning. And yay for you. Yay for you. It's a continual <laughs> Yeah, I love that. Every day is a new. Every second is a new second. That's it. To start. Yep. That's it. That's the secret, everyone. <laughs> You figured it out. You figured it out. You have an opportunity. Don't freak out. <laughs> oh, I love it. You still have a breath. You have a chance. It's okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Adriana. It really is a treat to be able to chat with you. And um, I am obsessed with your book. And I hope everyone who's listening, if you are into anything that we talked about today to pick up an, a copy of tea and cake with demons. Cause it's, it's really life-changing. It's becoming my little handbook. I, I read through the whole thing once and now I'm going back through my little tabs because it's just so good. And you wrote, wrote it so well and so understandable that very, very helpful to anyone who's interested in expanding your mind and starting something new today or tomorrow, whatever you want. Amazing. Amazing. I'm really, really glad it's been so beneficial, so helpful. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for, thanks for introducing me to your community. Hi out there. Right? Yeah. You're on the other side of this. I can't, I can't <laughs> keep you hidden. I found you and now I'm like, everyone needs to know. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank but you. I really you appreciate it. Really good. Really great to chat with you. Yes, you too. And hope to see more amazing things from you and really appreciate you coming on here today. So stay warm in New York City. <laughs> have stay a, warm in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, have a great winter. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Adriana. Thanks, Kelly. Bye.